All right, you're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. We're back. It's good to be here, and yeah. it's a pretty big deal coming up here in the States here tomorrow. Yeah, it's exactly right. Sun's out, gun's out. Get your homemade jorts ready. Turn up the boss. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> One of the great, the great, greatest, one of the greatest holidays of all time. It is a celebration of independence, which has taken and given us many great beers. So um, I think of, of all days to drink beer, tomorrow's going to be a good one. Yeah. And yeah, and it's lots of traditions here, beer related and not beer related, obviously. And it's, uh, yeah, we're excited. They're going to share some with you guys today. Some of the, when you think about this day or when we think about this day, where it takes us, takes us back. Uh, but a lot of it, a lot of it beer related, as uh, most things tend to be here, <laughs> as it should be. Sure. Um, my name's John. I'm coming back this week, and uh, a few beers that generally invoke Fourth of July for me. Um, the one is purely because of the can, uh, Surly's America. If you've never had that beer, it's a great lager. If you've never seen that can, mm-hmm. it belongs in the Smithsonian. I think is the right uh, sure thing. To, uh, um, Another great, I think, Fourth of July memory in beer for me is uh, Yards up nor uh, up near Philly. Yep, um, they do the Ales of the Revolution pack, um, which is, uh, I mean, it's just a great. Uh, I think Philly would lay claim to being home of the Revolution. So, yeah, sure, uh, Philly brewers making revolutionary beer in a historical city, uh, but I can't get any of those where I live right now. So it's going to be lagers and cream ales and American tradition for me in a can. Uh, for this holiday, and I'm really looking forward to that. Most of the time, 4th of July for me results in barbecue, contests of strength with family members and friends. Um, and honestly, for <laughs> anybody so anybody that loves weird facts as much as I do, one thing I think is really cool is that the Philippines are one of only three countries that celebrate uh, independence on 4th of July. Hmm. And in the Philippines, they're celebrating their independence from the United States of America. <laughs> so we can all drink on this day. Lots of independence. America involved on both sides of it. For me, this this day... Every year, I want to do two things. I want to go to the beach, and then I want to come home, and after being at the beach, watch Jaws. And it's going to be on, like, every channel or streaming on all the services, probably. At least one of them will have it. It always is. Um, But that is just a great movie full of, you know, all kinds of hilarious quotes and characters. And growing up in uh, New England where it's set, uh, that was a lot of, like, I don't know, references to stuff i remember seeing as a kid one of them being the that quint like the surly boat captain who knows everything and is hammered all the time and apparently the actor himself was just trashed the entire time on set as well just kind of mailing it in not not much uh not much uh, reading ahead of time acting. yeah right sure he's really committed um but he uh so he's always drinking narragansett and like the old school narragansett cans and for those of you who aren't from the northeast that's uh there are a lot of really great regional kind of beers the yingling being one that's now like kind of growing nationally but that started as kind of like a pennsylvania thing narragansett is like new england's yingling basically it's it's like an american i think it's italian amber lager but um great solid crushable beer he drinks them all the time and every once in a while narragansett will release around the summer like a throwback retro can 12 packs of uh that beer so if, if they're around i'll try and grab those things or like you said crush some crush some light beers grill some stuff um maybe have some bourbons during the climactic battle at the end of jaws which it's a i Again, that movie's great. Kind of, you know, it's got a special place in my heart. But watching it now, it's like that. It's so obvious that it's an animatronic shark under the water. Like for most of the don't, scenes, don't ruin. Don't spoiler <laughs> right, alert. Surprise, surprise! Enjoy your privileges, Harrison. You are a father. Exactly right. Uh, so I'm gonna take him. Earn it, earn it well that day at the beach. If we haven't already earned your loyal listening ship, I just want to let you know that Drinking Socially is released bi-weekly on Wednesdays and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts normally. Um, yeah. But 
Fourth of July or not, Harrison and I have some work to do here. We've got right. two really awesome beers on the docket, on the table, really. Right, right in front of us. Um, the first one coming up is, uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's, it's based here in the Carolinas. Um, Harrison has a pretty good spec list for it. So why don't you tell us about this one, man? Yes, yeah, so this is really cool. So this, the beer is called Cult Leader's Headdress. It's a collab between Edmonds Oast in... Uh, in Charleston, in South Carolina, and Salud Cerveceria, which is in Charlotte, right? Yep, yep. Used um, to be a great bottle shop. Yeah, now they're right. a great brewery as right. well. That's what I thought. Um, but I haven't seen more stuff from them come out, which is cool as heck. So it's listed as a grisette. It's 4.5% uh, ABV. Um, and the description is a tart saison that has been dry hopped with Centennial, Idaho 7, Cascade, and Citra Hops. Fermented with a French Saison yeast, champagne yeast, and got some lacto, uh, lactobacillus in it, which is one of my favorite kind of bugs uh, that's not a beer yeast that gives it that part of that tart character to it. And it's uh, it's delicious. It is. It's kind of like a straw yellow, hazy little thing. Not this year in Nevada, hazy no, little no, thing. No, no, um, no. In tasting this beer... It, if I would want to say this is like a like a sessionable sour, sure. I feel like all Berliners are fruited now. But this is really easy to drink. This is That's perfect I mean. on a hot yeah. summer afternoon. Yep. It's really light, and yeah, the French saison yeast is kind of. That's one that a lot of breweries recently. Namely, I think like Tired Hands started using it a couple of years ago, and after that, people were like, "Oh, well, let's." Let's reinvestigate this uh, and see if we can get it, you know, see what we can get out of this thing. It's it's cool. It does a lot of stuff. It's very temperature sensitive. Uh, changes like radically what it produces, like most Saison yeast do, but um, but the French Saison one especially. And the Champagne yeast as well. So it's kind of like, which will really dry stuff out, really get any of those residual sugars hanging around that the French Saison yeast isn't eating up. Champagne will just come in there and clean it up. Uh, which is pretty cool. But it's, I mean, this is like an awesome beach beer. It's definitely sessionable. It's light, but it's got a lot of flavor. Um, I'm digging it. I wish we had more. Yeah, the perfect. <laughs> I this totally is like, agree. Right, if I had a couple of these, like Jaws, would, I'd be playing it at noon, and I'd be selling my pajamas, just kind of like the beach can wait. I'm going to start this party now. Your 4th of July sounds a <laughs> lot better than my, than my 4th of July. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I don't know how. Or why, but because I'm lucky. But this is great. I mean, in collabs, can't say enough about that. And cool that it's, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina coming together, making a beer that really, I mean, for this these states, it's, you know, hot, it's hot as heck right now um, and will be for the foreseeable future. So nice that they're uh, giving us something to enjoy during during all that. It definitely, when I when I first tasted this, it, it, I, I felt like it was uh, sourer than I expected right. it, it to be. Yeah. And I'm totally fine. I think that's mm-hmm. great. As I I uh, kind of come back for a second taste or for uh, maybe a fourth or fifth <laughs> taste, um, I have to, but it makes me believe that there was at some point a lemon peel or some sort right. of citrus yes. fruit in here. And I love, presumably, this is only coming from the hops. I'd assume mostly the dry hops that they use is where I'm getting most of that citrus yep. flavor. Yeah, yeah, and the, the lacto, like the tartness of it will play, uh, will bring those kind of characters out. As well, like a yeah, kind of like a lemon rind, or yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, a lot of sea hops, Centennial, Cascade, and Citra in here, and those almost all of them kick off a lot of citrus flavors uh, as well. But yeah, this has kind of like become a thing. Dry hopping saisons, um, yeah, and it's it's great. These little these are really obviously complex beers by themselves, but hops I think add even more to it. Is I, I didn't plan to ask you this, Harrison, but um, Google will tell you that a grisette uh, is originally French for a working class woman, right. uh, which right. is like, oh, I saw a couple of grisettes on the street. <laughs> you could say that today and it would mean something very different, Probably. but you could still say that. Yeah. I think the bigger question I have is 
that I see a lot of times a grisette and a saison associated with each other. Right. And two years ago, I would tell you that a saison tasted like a horse barn. Right. This tastes magical mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ama- almost like a mm-hmm. like a beer lemonade. Not quite a shandy, right. but it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you know and how the saison and the grisette are connected, or maybe even more importantly, what makes them different? Sure. Yeah. It's basically like a sessionable saison. Like it was designed to be like a working class beer like accessible to everybody um i think i could be wrong but a lot of the some of them are made from like second runnings from a saison so you would make a saison that's like seven percent and then basically same grains just remash over it and get all the sugar that's left over and make a second beer out of it it would be way less alcohol because obviously this most of the sugar is already gone uh, now be like a grisette. So it's like a it basically just a sessionable working class version of a saison. That was much less, um, I guess, yeah, because of the less ingredients, cost less to make things like that. That's um, but that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So they're really similar. And you're right, like there is like a there's like a little horse note in this when it warms up, but it like goes right away. But so it still has that wild kind of funk uh, barnyard stuff that you get from some certain saisons but uh but yeah so it's based like a baby saison um, i love that description i think uh, as i get older i find myself looking forward to seeing session the session moniker applied to uh beer i was looking uh, just a couple of days ago on untapped and found somebody that had labeled a session stout it was 3.7 right and i and, you know t- Three years ago, I would have turned my nose up at that and right. asked for something, you know, above ten percent, sure. please. <laughs> um, but a session stout, I think, would be an amazing experience, especially if you can give me the flavor. Yeah. Um, session saison, I'm willing to bet if a brewer branded his grisette a session saison, sure, more yeah. people yeah, would be like, back "Whoa, crazy! Great. I've never top. heard of this before." Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I would. Sure, there's a bit marketing and marketing to it, but. I like, I mean, yeah, and you're right. Not a lot of people know what a grisette is, and sometimes that'll get you to kind of be like, well, what's that? And get, you know, the curiosity hooks people in too. So, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty open ended um, uh, in terms of, you know, what uh, what you can and can do with this style. It's basically just kind of like a light, low alcohol, light bodied Saison. Um, and sometimes they're tart, sometimes they're not. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but. I've had a, a fair amount of them and uh, always really uh, enjoyable. But they are very different. So, um, yeah, check them out. If you guys have some cool ones you've had, you want to tell us about, or if you had this beer, check it in, tag us in the check-ins, all that um, you know, fun stuff. Tell us about it because um, it's, it's a collab. So if you haven't had it and you're in the area, try to grab it uh, while you can. It's I looked on Untapped as well, even though both of the brewers are based in North and South Carolina. Of course, it's available at Salud right now at right. their uh, Bottle Shop Brewery, uh, likely upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I see this available at Leroy, which is a great bar out in Montgomery, Alabama. It's oh. available in Florida at nice. Troubled Waters Brewing. Nice. Um, so it's really cool to see uh, some of the verified venues that are listing this beer, uh, which right now only has, it's got uh, less than 700 total check-ins. Um, and anytime I can drink a beer that has less than 1,000 check-ins, right. I feel like I'm part of that early club, and Excited. that's always really exciting. Yep. But it's it's really tasty, big fluffy old head on it. It's uh, yeah, that's that was wonderful. And we have and we have another one too to back it up, which is going to be a kind of flip of the switch and run us another different direction. John, what do we what do we have for beer number dose this evening? Uh, so this beer actually got sent to us from a great friend who most of you guys uh, probably know. It comes from Kyle Roderick, ah, uh, crazy Kyle. So uh, our West Coast connection here <laughs> at the Untapped HQ. Uh, Kyle has sent to us uh, Juice Ministers from King's Brewing Company out of Cali. Um, This is a New England-style IPA, which is still pretty much the predominant beer style, at least in the States. And even I think it's great when I see brewers in Russia making New England styles. But I know you're going to elaborate on this later, Harrison. So uh, Juice Ministers, it's a 6.9 ABV New England-style IPA. Uh, this one gives us a description of the most important bits of this beer right here. It's double dry hopped, um, Galaxy, Citra, Cryo, and El Dorado, which yeah. are all names that are exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I looked on Untapped uh, when we were recording this. There are currently no 
verified locations that have this beer on their Ooh. menu. Um, so, of course, that makes it uh, maybe even a little bit more exciting, but if anything, much harder to find for you untapped users. Uh, so check with your friends, especially if you're out near uh, California. I'd presume it's available at King's uh, Brewery. Um, but outside of that, this one here is sitting at less than 300 check-ins. So, Kyle, thank you very much for sending us uh, this beer. Let's, yeah, let's open this guy up. Check it out. Ooh, yeah. It's excited. Excited to leave. Excited to leave the can. Just jumps <coughs> jumps right out there. Really excited to leave the can. <laughs> I caught a little bit of that. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I'm excited to taste this. All right, let's get I've this. already I've already snuck a little taste <laughs> uh, just out of the can. I don't think you're gonna like this one, Harrison. Yeah, so sure. I'll take the King's didn't sound here. like it. <laughs> you do that. Yeah, and this is this is um, utilizing a cool. So, like another, we can talk about this a little bit um, today. We probably could almost do a whole entire uh, podcast about this. Ooh, look at that. But so it's, yeah, so as John said, hazy IPA, dry hop with the galaxy, Citra, Cryo, and El Dorado. So Cryo hops, Citra, like basically frozen Citra hops um, that are like powdered down. Cryo hops are like a new thing that a lot of breweries are using. It's kind of like, you know, there is so much innovation um, when it comes to like, you know, what breweries are doing next and how do you stay um, ahead of the game and how can things be, you know, how can you get the next crazy flavory? Right now it's like juice bomb and cryo hops is something that I believe Yakima Chief, which is a really big uh, supplier of uh, of hops um, to you know, professional commercial breweries, uh, kind of like um, yeah, invented where um, they go through like a cryogenic process where um, the whole leaf hops at like really low temperatures are separated into concentrated lupulin um, and brack, which are like some of the <clears throat> the hop oils in hops, um, and then pelletized. So it's supposed to like double the potency of uh, the uh, from like a prepared traditional pelletized Just hop. Concentrated, concentrated yeah. hop deliciousness. I couldn't imagine getting a spoonful of that. Right on my tongue that yeah that'd probably be the end of the day know, for yeah before this it was like extracts or it's basically a very similar process but it would be like a li- basically like liquefied lupulin juice that you would dump into beers and now nice. now now we're at now we're here now we're at frozen space hop so anyway let's dive in Ooh, cheers cheers it smells indeed. delicious god, god golly gee. hot diggity dang Holy cow! At first sip, I'm Ooh, reminded of banana juice. I'm yeah, like a big old what, like a cake, like a fruit salad, like a fruit cake. This is the healthiest I've felt all day. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, my blood sugar is going to the roof. Fair. There may be some carbohydrates in this beer, but we don't track those on Untapped. <laughs> why the hell? Yeah. Why should we? Oh um, man, this is. I've had many in New England. Is I feel sure. like everybody makes one now, and I'm appreciative of that. But yeah. this is the most banana I've had since like right. Vine Stefaner's Vitus mm. or something, where it, it banana sings to me. This is beautiful. I want to make bread out of it. Yeah, I want to just kind of dunk my face in it, Bob, for hops in it. Right there's on there's almost like a yeah the banana in there, and there's stone fruit happening that like. The galaxy comes through with like dank fruit punch. That's what I always taste when I have galaxy. It's like this fruity, almost funky, but in like a like a gusher. Like a sure there. Like, I was say like a George Clinton kind of way, but like a you know, like a gusher. <laughs> gusher. The, gu- the, I didn't know George Clinton made gushers. <laughs> right. So. He's the right. <laughs> George Clinton is the gusher of the music industry, Got or maybe the gusher the George Clinton of the candy industry, <laughs> something like that. But it's man, oh man. <laughs> It's, you know, there's, there's just, it's, it's kicking out the jams right now. Hmm. There's almost in the nose. It's like, it's like orange juice concentrate. It's like intense. That kind of like or, orange juice, but almost so orange juice that right. it's, it's like not, green. It's right, like, exactly. Like, yes, sure. And it's triple dry hop. There's a lot of vegetation that went into this beer. So like, not surprisingly, you're getting like some, like a little bit of grab, but it's way under there. It's mostly just like. Yeah, big old banana fruit salad. It's like the Chiquita banana woman just punched you in the face. 
great. That's a good description. Chiquita banana woman punching you in the face. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that's not on there. Right. On there. You can always add a beer description. Make it's it not your too late to edit that, Kings. <laughs> Um, this is of, of a lot of uh, New Englands that I've had. This is one of them that I'll remember as being discernibly yeah. different. This is, they're all fruity and delicious. I love the style, but I'm so grateful to uh, to get to, to try this one. Yeah, I, I'll echo the same exact sentiment. It is, uh, yeah, it is awesome to try a style that you see all the time, but then it it's made new again. This is a six point nine ABV, ladies and gentlemen. It's <laughs> it, it's 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 catching up on our old man here. Yeah, I'm feeling feeling good. Um, there are I know I've already iterated this. Uh, hopefully, by the time y'all are listening, there's a couple of places that might have this great beer on yeah. their beer menu. But it's um, really for those of you in North Carolina, I know I already touted Salud's Bottle Shop once, but they do have Kings brewing um on their on their beer menus so there may be potential that we can even get some of this around here in carolina yeah, keep your great. eyes open yeah um i think one of my favorite things about untapped is using it to find beers that my friends tell me about it just takes the guesswork out of it and mm-hmm. i am i'm old and i don't want to call 15 places to find a beer anymore so i really appreciate when i can just pull up my phone, stop there after work and uh, pick up uh, a can or 16 and just tell my wife <laughs> it was a discount because I bought them in right. bulk. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I hear you there. Or just drink, you know, 15 of them in the car when you get home in the driveway. Like, like I do. <laughs> I'm going right to bed. Every day is July 4th with Harrison. <laughs> Trying. Trying to make it. Yeah, Kyle enjoyed this thing too. I'm looking at his check-in he had not too long ago. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. So again, same deal. If you guys, if you guys, if someone gets you, if you're in California or anywhere, get your hand on this thing or can trade for it. Let us know. Tag us in the check-in. But I'm, let us know if you're getting this this crazy banana attack or happen happening to us right now or me right now. Or yeah, if you're banana tasting attack would be a, an apt name for this beer. <laughs> banana as well. attack. I'm just seeing like her with banana nunchucks and she's kind of jumping through the night. And there's. Almost no discernible bitterness. I remember the first time Ooh, I had good point. an IPA with 90 IBUs, and I, I it, it was like, this is pointless. We're just trying to break my palate mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. No one ever needs 90 I IBUs. barely perceive it anyway. And then it just got pushed up to 140 after that. And now this one, I don't know what the IBUs are on it, but I would speculate they're below 20. Yeah, I mean, there's, most, yeah it's a classic New England. That's something we'll talk about in a little bit today, actually. I have uh, uh, some we're going to talk about, a new new style of beer that's jumping out there. But the there's definitely been like this interesting – well, just the way different breweries in, interpret the New England style – uh, itself where, you know, traditionally it was, you know, there really is no next to no perceived bitterness and the hops are used, you know, in the boil or in the dry hop for flavor. You're not getting bitterness from that. You're not, you know, boiling them for long enough to do so or boiling them at all. This is six to that. Like there really is probably, it's probably most of the hops. I would imagine almost none of them are probably none added in the boil and it's all like whirlpool and dry hopped. Um, but I've had a lot of beers and say they're doing IPAs that are like really, they look like, you know, orange juice and they smell like orange juice, but they're like super bitter. And they're also really floral. And it's like, if we're going to, whatever the style itself was supposed to kind of celebrate the hop as a flavor and not as the knocking your tongue out. But again, I've had some awesome beers that have, uh, that are really, really, really bitter and being labeled as doing IPAs. And I think we're going to see kind of Again, we'll get to this in a little bit. I'm actually going to talk about this today, but there's kind of this interesting division happening with a lot of breweries where they are kind of like taking that New England style and breaking it up even further and taking aspects from it and making new sub-styles of that style, which is already a sub-style, which is exciting because, you know, it's breeding more innovation. Um, but yeah, but this is totally traditional. If you're thinking about an IPA is a low bitter, tons of aroma, juice bomb, this is it. This is for you. There, I, I love you for bringing it up. I was just cruising uh, Untapped's Reddit feed, and mm. uh, there was a, a user on there asking why we don't have a quad IPA as a style yet. Right? right. And, oh my God! Don't um, bring this. All you don't have to do is ask. It's like say a Beetlejuice. Don't challenge someone. I'm sure we'll be drinking a 19 percenter oh here soon God. enough. Or I don't even. Oh, right. Um, but you've already so uh, Harrison, uh, our resident uh, brewer. 
nerd. I think if that's an acceptable term nowadays. I think it Um, is. I hope so. So uh, before we depart from uh, talking about these beautiful beers, uh, let us know if we're wrong, if we're right. Obviously, (laughs) beer tasting is incredibly subjective. Um, That's the point of it. Taste it. Tell me what you think about it. Our stories will be different. Um, But if you've had either of these or if you want to talk about it, make sure uh, send us your thoughts, your messages. Uh, You can Twitter us, uh, Untapped Podcast. You can Instagram (laughs) us at Drinking Socially. uh, Or find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook page for Drinking Socially, and there's actually a group that you can join. Uh, There's a lot of really good people in there talking about beer. Sometimes you'll get homebrew advice. Sometimes you'll get places to go advice if you're traveling to South Carolina. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome, awesome resource. <clears throat> I love checking that out and, and hearing from everyone who's listening to the podcast already. And that's really what we kind of hope this becomes is, you know, if you guys have questions or things you want us to do or look into or people in the industry you want to Travis reach out to and say, oh, how does so-and-so dry hop their beer so crazy? Well, maybe we can get them on here and find out. So, um, yeah, reach out to us and let us know kind of what you want to know. I'd love for this to be really powered by everyone who listens to it every day. Um, So you're hearing what you want to hear. Harrison um, is going to elaborate. And I know that we're kind of uh, picking up from where Kyle and Tim left off. But again, we don't really want to cover the same things that they've covered. Um, But I really love the idea of learning uh, about a beer style, maybe uh, almost like you can learn how to fish by going on YouTube, but you can really learn how to fish by going out on a boat with a fisherman. Right. So in this case, Harrison's my fisherman, <laughs> and he's going to cover just some uh, a, a story behind his experience with New England um, and, and get maybe a little bit more nerdy on it than I'd be able to. So, uh, Harrison, please, I'm going to put my feet up and I'd encourage you to do the same unless you're driving. Right. That would be a heck of a trick. (laughs) Unless you have a Tesla or whatever. Be careful because they don't, they're still, you know, unless the Tesla's listening, then, you know, I'll, you know, don't, don't come after me. (laughs) Cujo of dogs, whatever the Christine of, anyway, electric version of Christine. So, um, (laughs) so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so I was just talking about this, and we're gonna. I'm glad we're diving right into it. But this kind of <clears throat> deviation, separation, kind of, more, or you know, just exploring the idea of what an IPA is a little bit more. There isn't this new style popping up, and maybe you guys have seen it out there called a juicy IPA. At least that's what I've seen it being called as so far. I know that's commonly been like a way just to describe New England's. It's a juicy beer. It's a juicy IPA. It's a juice bomb, all that stuff. This is specifically referring to the style is a juicy IPA. And really, it's basically just a non-hazy New England IPA. So you can see through it. I've seen a couple of them pop up. I had Southern Tears New Juice IPA. Great beer. Um, which is, yeah, it was really crushable. And same deal as you just talked about. A traditional New England style, meaning there is basically no bitterness, lots of aroma in the end, but it's not opaque. You can see right through it. It's just like this really nice kind of straw color, golden color uh, beer. Um, that has all the characteristics of an IPA, but when, if you add it with your eyes closed, you think you were drinking one, and you open it up, and it's you can see right through it. So that's obviously one of the biggest characteristics of a new one is it you know looks like a bunch of orange juice or uh, or a milkshake or whatever. This one didn't, and so this is really cool. And um, I, and I'm I'm curious to see other breweries you know kind of explore it like they have with you know the Brute IPA and and other kind of variations of IPAs that we've seen over the past couple of years um, for a couple of reasons and. Um, and I'll share a story kind of to, to one of those reasons uh, that I had when I was brewing uh, professionally. We had – I worked at a brewery for a while. It was very – the head brewer, really traditional guy, like, you know, studied in Germany. And we made a lot of German-style uh, beers and a fair amount of American ones as well. But, you know, like West Coast-style IPAs was kind of trying to push back as the, the wave of New England IPAs was kind of – covering the country he was trying to be like let's stay traditional i want to you know i know what i like it's my brewery whatever and then eventually it was like all right let's let's just make one of these things why the heck not and so <laughs> and we all celebrated because that meant we could drink it every day after work you know on tap so great so we did and um 
uh, and it was a, just like a big at that point people were still calling them like wheat IPAs and things like that. I remember a, while a few ago. of those. Yeah, um, they were just as, different, right? Yeah. Exactly. So and that's and it was a yeah, and it was I think it was double dry hopped with citra or something. It was great. Um, and so the first, so we made a double batch of it. So we made basically sixty barrels of it at once or back to back two two brews back to back thirty barrels each sixty barrels uh, being the final product. Um, what one of and so what one of the guys in the cellar did when he was transferring that beer after it had been made and it fermented and cold crashed it, we were getting ready to package it. Probably like probably two weeks or so, sixteen days or so after we made it, um, he accidentally um, basically filtered the thing without knowing it because that's all our IPAs were always like that was kind of the SOP was you know filter this, um, you know. So it looks like not like you know uh, it should beer pond shouldn't water. be cloudy, right? Right. Beer, like, at this right, point, beer right, should not be cloudy. Right. Something bad exactly, happened. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it shouldn't like pond water. It should look good. You should be able to see through it. So that was like our SOP. Our standard operating procedure was you do that to every IPA you make. And I think it was the he was like this is the first time we ever made this beer, and so half of the batch was clear and half of it wasn't, and we ended up being able to I think. We blended it, or we might have kegged some of it and just had it on tap in the tasting room for us and the stuff that was looked like we wanted to, we canned and released. But it was this kind of hilarious mistake that, like, you know, when you make a mistake in a brewery, sometimes it's like <laughs> could come time to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how big the mistake is. So, um, and obviously, you know, you had no idea uh, that he was supposed to do that um, with his beer. It just hadn't been communicated down the line, I guess. We, I remember just walking in that morning and everyone huddled around the bright tank and like looking at the beer. I'm like, oh, that looks great. Like, yeah, that's the problem. And here I am like in bizarro world. Like, what do we, we were, what am I, everything I know is a lie. You know, <laughs> cats and dogs living together. Um, that whole thing. But I was like, oh, that's right. This is a New England style. Um, so yeah, so it was just a, you know, kind of like a funny experience. We were able to, you know, still was beer and it was great and delicious. But flash forward to now, that's basically what this juicy IPA is, is a filtered, and you can do that a bunch of different ways, New England style IPA. Now, why is that good or why is that exciting? So a big problem with New England style IPAs is that they're not very shelf stable. And that's not a problem you often encounter with them because people like, they'll make them and they'll sell out in like a day or whatever. Like the burrito sells out of them and they don't sit around very long. There's a problem when you have an unfiltered beer, stuff can kind of happen in there. After it's been canned, if it sits on a warm shelf for a while, you can have, you know, particulates, things that we call like nucleation points, where basically you can produce off flavors. You can also, with an unfiltered beer, technically you can pull in a lot, you usually pull in a lot more de- dissolved oxygen when you can it, which is, um, which then becomes not dissolved. It, you know, turns into a gas when it's not really cold anymore and you're oxidizing kind of a beer in a can. So there's all these little, that's just some of the issues that you can have with it, but. I would have never right. imagined that as part of the New England <laughs> right. IPA. Right, right, right. Like, I would right. never even cross right. my but mind. It, right. it doesn't because most of the time those beers like sell out. You know, people, people have been sitting waiting for the Alchemist truck to show up with their distributors since people learned about Hetty Topper. Like those beers don't sit around. So this isn't a problem per se. But then you look at some of the bigger breweries entering kind of the hazy IPA game and you kind of wonder like, well, if that's got to go, you know, 10 states away and it's, it's got to last a couple months like all their other beers do, how do you how do you control for that? How do you make, how do you use, when you're, you have a whole, every brewery has a quality control department, how do you manage that? And this juicy IPA seems like a really nice workaround where you've got a filtered, basically juicy beer that still gets the same flavor as New England, but you're not dealing with kind of like the QC headaches that you would uh would from like something that's got 20 pounds of, you know, oats per barrel or whatever it ends up being. And it just looks like porridge and you're someone then, you know, gets online and has it five months later. It's like, why does this thing, you know, taste like a, taste like a wet apple? You're like, that, well, cause that's true. Generally there. when I'm looking at uh, new England IPA, namely, or almost any, I guess, hop forward beer, I always check the date almost before sure. I check anything else. That's, yeah. And New England's certainly have made that. I think that's why if you're going to have a New England, it's going to taste better from your local brewer than any celebrated uh, brewery you can get your hands on. Unless it's really fresh. But I think freshness is probably a really important ingredient. It in is. There. Yeah, it is. And, it's, and it's, it is. And that's, and that's kind of like the way that the, the conversation has been dominated by that. By like, it's so fresh. It's canned today or it's canned yesterday or whatever. Oddly enough, 
again, our head brewer, who has won tons of awards and whatever, he always thought that our IPAs tasted the best like two weeks after we canned them, kind of sat in the can for just a little bit, still kind of had some flavors come together. But we would still, you know, when we canned them, just grab them off the line, drink them right then and there. Yep. So, could you, um, could you do we like spoiled. A, a vertical New England tasting of <laughs> right. like seven days, 14 days, right. and 21 right. days? And see what really the changes. Um, but by the end, it, you'd just be kind of giggling, I think. I don't know sure. how much work would be done. It'd be but, fun. But we would do things like that. We do we do called triangle tasting tests every uh, Wednesday and sensory tests every Thursday to get better at uh, picking these things out. But yeah, but I, anyway, so I, that to me, the Juicy IPA looks like a, it's been a long time coming of breweries knowing that if you're a larger regional brewery, making a hazy IPA might be difficult. How do you ride this wave? Will you kind of make something that's very similar, but you can manage the um, kind of the quality of it for longer? And that looks like the Juicy IPA. So I would keep an eye out for them, give them a shot. Um, they're really cool. I was surprised that the new Juicy IPA had when I enjoyed it a couple weeks ago. Um, because like I said, if I had my eyes closed, I just I would assume it was a nice big old hazy new Um but one that'll probably taste better much longer, uh, which is great too for breweries that need that. All right, guys, just wanted to start out here with just a quick badge update. I'm sure most of you in the chilly north are still reeling from everybody unlocking the Canada badge, which yeah. uh, that just ended. It was July 1 and 2. Uh, give yourselves a chance to earn the celebrated Canadian holiday. Um, and for the rest of us that are not Canadian native drinkers or right. able to get their hands on a nice Labatt Blue, uh, Untap's <laughs> launching a new core badge update. We've got 10 of them rolling out, Damn. which hopefully some of you have already earned. Um, easily the two that I'm most excited about are the Growler and the Crowler badge, yeah. which you can earn by uh, selecting the container that you're drinking from in your Untap check-in. Um, ahead of the giant September festivities, we're also releasing badges for beer gardens and German restaurants, which I know mm. Harrison's excited about. Love me some schnitzel. As don't we all? Um, as that pairs with that pairs with every beer, <laughs> yeah, everything. A um, couple other new beers for those of you drinking table beers. We've got a badge for table beers. Set the table. Um, a badge my mom would actually be proud that I earned. Sure. <laughs> um, Latvia, Balkan beers, Central American breweries, uh, all getting celebrated with ways to earn badges for them. Um, a new one we're rolling out, Beers of the World. Um, it's uh, designed to capture check-ins from where the breweries are uh, in the world. Uh, um, obviously, that's yeah. going to be tough to nail down. Um, if you find yourself missing, the great thing is you just get to try again and keep checking in. I think for me, that's pretty much going to cover it in terms of new badges. I am excited to see who the first one is to max out the zoo badge. Yeah. Um, Harrison, any advice for that, drinking beers at the zoo? You know, I've been to a couple. There was a safari, a couple of zoos. They do like beer safaris now, which is great. It's just don't don't be the guy that has one too many and ends up in the tiger cage and then in, on the news. You don't want to – that's not a – <laughs> that's not a life goal you want. It's the last life goal you'll achieve that's on your list. Do not end up on the news. <laughs> right. I think that says it all. Don't know about the news. Uh, table beers served at the zoos. Uh, for those of you that yeah. don't actively participate in badge voting, uh, we just reset them in the end of June. Currently, our top voted badge is the pool party badge. Love it. Uh, for checking it in any place categorized as a pool or bathhouse. Bathhouse. In the runnings, there's one for pool halls. There's one for cat, uh, uh, barbecue restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Slovenia's getting up there. Bulgaria's getting up there for their own country badge. Um, there's quite a bit of fun ones to vote for. So if you don't, uh, like I said, actively vote for the next badges on Untapped. Uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes. So make sure you get yourself out there and vote for your favorites. Um, and finally, new core badges. If you don't want to start from zero, make sure you activate retroactive badges on your untapped profile. That way, all those growlers you've checked into over the last year will instantly put you ahead of the competition. Boom. Get you up. Get your bragging rights ready. There's lots of cool new badges to get out there and enjoy. I'm going to probably go for after a couple of them to tomorrow uh, while I'm grilling up and watching Jaws for a couple of times. I'm going to the zoo. <laughs> we'll see you there. 
So one thing I like to do when I'm drinking my New England IPAs or virtually any beer is have some nice glassware for it. And one of the worst parts about podcasts are listening to the ads. Um, In this case, (laughs) we hope our sponsor is relevant to you. If you're interested in showing off your love of Untapped, you can check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts. Probably not good for this time of year, but there are also hats. Yeah. Um, And yes, Planet Planet Christmas is coming coming. sooner than you think. (laughs) It's almost here. Um, Go to store.untapped.com. You'll see a whole bunch of cool Untapped branded stuff. Use a coupon code podcast at checkout and you'll get 20% off all your orders. Um, That's store.untapped.com. Use a coupon code podcast. And that is a fifth of the price next. If I could use that on a couch, my <laughs> wife would love me so much. Right, I'd more. have five couches, probably. Um, but either way, it's a great way to grab yourself some stick, untap, tulip glasses, a nice hat, give a shirt to your best friend, drink a beer with them, let them know you love them. Yeah, and kind of keeping with the yeah, traditions of, uh, of drinking socially, we have a cool story um, that uh, John's going to share now, kind of more like, a, like a, uh, a tidbit, if you will, about this lovely 4th of July we keep um, talking about um, that you guys may not know. And this impressed me when we talked about it before the, the podcast. That, uh, well, go ahead, John. Well, thanks for the lead in, Harrison. Um, what I'd love to do in this segment going forward or as soon as we can, uh, use your social media. Let us know things that you're interested in or let us know cool ways that you've used Untapped um, because I love reading about that stuff and I do it here online sometimes as well. Um, for today, and especially with the big holiday coming up, especially if you're in the States or the Philippines <laughs> or Rwanda... <laughs> Um, some facts about 4th of July in relation to beer. So we all know that 4th of July, especially if you have dogs, you know that 4th of July is a huge fireworks holiday. Bonanza. It probably happened last night, and it's probably going to happen again next weekend. Right. Just, so maybe it'll set them off tomorrow afternoon as well. Yeah, it, it may be me. Um, <laughs> hunker down, sit on the couch with your dog, get a heavy blanket, and enjoy the fireworks that we use to celebrate freedom In this country, on average, across the east to the west, the north to the south, we spend about $1 billion billion. on fireworks celebrations. Um, On the opposite end of the spectrum, (laughs) we spend about $1.5 billion on beer to drink at home. Fourth of July, the largest off-premise, that's drinking beer at home in your garage, in your backyard, fighting with your uncle over how to grill a chicken. <laughs> beer drank at home, 4th of July beats Memorial Feathers Day. Feathers on, yeah. Beats NCAA tournament, really? beats the Super Bowl. 4th of July is our favorite holiday to drink beer at home. Um, and we spent a lot of money on it. So, uh, again... Let's go to social media. Let us know. Are you a Bud Light Miller High Life drinker to celebrate 4th of July? Mm. Which is your favorite domestic? Is that a real thing we can ask? Right. Or what are you (laughs) drinking? Can you crush six New England IPAs to celebrate Independence Day? Can you survive that? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd love to know. Right. Maybe it's just the cream ales just floating down a river somewhere. I believe Jenny Creamel actually say. is canned right from the Jenny River, right. Genesee River. Makes, makes sense. Um, I'm that's sure what it my is. dad told me, and that was maybe sure. one of my His first dad beers. told him, and exactly. yeah, so on and so on. <laughs> beer, beer and mythology. If you went to Harvard, you might have taken that class. I'm sure you did. I'm sure it was great. Uh, so a little update on 4th of July. Enjoy your beer at home. Enjoy your family. And if you have to work on the 4th of July, enjoy your 5th of July beer because it's all relative. Yeah, that's right. All right, so this week we're going to jump into some to finish up some uh, some articles, some highlights, kind of in the beer world. There's a, a fair amount of things coming up. We wanted to take just a few minutes to finish up with and let you know kind of uh, events and, and announcements that are uh, uh, definitely on the mind of uh, of, of uh, beer fans across the country right now. Uh, John, what do you have for us to start? 
Yeah, so uh, pretty simple for mine. I'm focusing on Pacific Northwest because they also make some really good. Honestly, it's hard to find a place that doesn't make really good beer now. Um, but with a July focus, the Oregon Brewers Festival is coming up here towards the end of the month. Um, two of my favorite things about this particular festival are that it's free to get in. Uh, wow, you just pay for the beers right. you drink. And uh, there are, I think at this point, going to be close to 100 different Pacific Northwest breweries pouring beer in Oregon towards the end of July. You go in, you drink some fabulous beer. I mean, you could presumably get some sick uniques done in this oh, yeah. uh, in, in this event. I want to say it's July 24th. If you're an untapped user in the area, you'll probably end up getting an advert about it, which lets you know. Make sure you subscribe. They're going to tell you about any cool new breweries that are coming and more importantly, let you know how to get those really unique one-offs that you might not get a chance to. Um, I'm really excited. I love beer festival season. I love going to beer festivals. It's like, I mean, it's almost like cheating if you're trying to get some check-ins. If if you're dedicated, um, you can rip through quite a lot of, yeah. even if you're not checking into every beer, honestly, what is better than going outside and drinking a lot of cool beer with some good friends or by yourself? Right. Yeah, but it's an awesome festival. 24th to 27th of July, get out there and Celebrate, drink some, you know, some beers you may not see ever again. And that's kind of how this industry is these days. You make some beers once, and then you never make them again. So grab them all up. Well, again, it'll be, certainly be a lot of them there. And to kind of stick with the uh, Pacific Northwest theme, we have uh, some definitely noteworthy news. The uh, brewmaster at Rogue Brewing, or um, Rogue Ale, excuse me, um, John Morehops Mayor, he is uh, retiring in uh, July of this year, so he's retiring now. And he's um, 64, kind of one of the OGs, one of the guys who's been doing this from the beginning. Rogue, obviously, is, you know, often talked about with the Sierra Nevadas and the New Belgiums and stones of the, the beer world that have really been kind of pioneers for craft beer really before anybody else was almost. So, um, obviously, a household name, uh, Rogue, is... So he's kind of hanging up the uh, the mash paddle and calling it a career, and he's certainly left uh, quite the legacy behind. One of the ones, one of the more unique ones, um, although now it might seem like par for the course. But he made a <laughs> he made a beer back in it was probably like 2010 or so. We can I look it up on Untapped. Um, John did where they um, cultivated some yeast from his beard. He's kind of known for having this really big kind of Santa Claus beard, but not quite as gray. Uh, and they made a beer with it, and it was just called like the Beard Beer, and it was uh, it was I had it on tap, and it was it was memorable. It definitely it was real, it was funky. I don't I mean not in a God how do I describe this? It kind of tasted like a man's beard. No, it didn't. It was like an amber ale, but it had um, this kind of indiscernible. Kind of like uh, I don't know, funky cardboardy thing going on. It was definitely a memorable beer, and I remember ordering it. And my wife was like, "Are you kidding me? You were about to drink another man's beard in front of me." And like, well, it's not, you know, it's all different no, than that, babe. No known path to get surviving beer. I had to like give her the whole spiel about like this is not gonna. I'm not gonna become agent or you know patient zero next to you and just start trying to eat the bartender. It's just a beer. And it was, you know, it was kind of funny. So he's, you know, he's been someone who's pushed the envelope for a long, long time. And I don't know. It's interesting. A lot of this stuff's kind of happening now. I think Sierra Nevada's head brewer stepped down a year ago or so. He's been there since the 80s. And it's interesting. The new, the old guard, the new guard, lots of changing things. And uh, and I wanted to take a minute today to kind of reflect on, on that and some of the stuff that John's done. He says, definitely you know, paved the way for so many other breweries and brewers and gotten people into beer that are now, you know, world-class brewers. He's been doing it for so long. So real important dude, pumped that he, uh, you know, has a legacy he does. And, and I, you know, he's a pretty spry older guy. I'd be surprised if he's kept away forever. He may retire for a year or two and then pop up somewhere in some small little spot on the coast. I wouldn't be surprised. The man's beard yeast is likely still in a bottle somewhere sure. in your state. Right. Um, I mean, Might that be. type of legacy, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's really cool. Hiding somewhere. Yeah. This was done, I'd argue, before craft beer show, w was available in every small town right. or nearly every small town. 
but I think it's I think it's a really awesome time where we can have people like John retire and not just leave behind a legacy of work, but leave behind uh, a legacy of, of people that are are trying to expand on what he built. I mean, I remember the first time I had Rogues, um, uh, the Brown Ale. I remember the first mm-hmm. time Hazelnut uh, Brown. The Hazelnut yeah. Brown. Yeah. Um, I introduced that beard to my wife a couple of years ago, and and w- her reception. I knew I knew that we were going to have a second date. Yep. Um, there you go. Like Rogues, Rogues kind of grown to be part of something a little bigger than uh, uh, than a brewery or than maybe they originally intended. But I I, oh, yeah. I, I just think um, in in today's society it's really awesome that a man can do this much work um and create beer that that lives longer than his role at the company absolutely yeah right it's 465 beer is on untapped just that's just from the rogue ales brewery page they also have like the ipswich ale house a couple of different like smaller locations they brew one outside of as well, but that's a pretty impressive legacy. And yeah, I mean, you know, the Sriracha, like the Sriracha beer, oh, chocolate beers. He was one of the first guys, but a bunch of chocolate and beer. So all this stuff we kind of just see all the time now. Um, you know, John may have been the guy that did it first. So. I used to hand sell 22 ounce bottles at a little bottle shop in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that Sriracha beer was always, I could tell when someone asked about it, I could tell they were. They were buying a gift or they were learning craft beer or something. We'd always – the first thing I would say is it's it's spicier than you think it's going to be, man. Right, right. Um, And without fail, they would come back, you know, a week later and say, oh, my God, what else exists in the world that is right. so di- – that was uh, it was a really – it was a fun time for me looking back on it. And I, I'm, I'm excited to be uh, watching this industry keep pushing those boundaries. So thanks for listening in with us uh, on a Wednesday or whenever you get around to your podcast listening. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please uh, keep the feedback coming. Social media is a warehouse of good advice. Mm. And Harrison and I want nothing more than to make this a pleasurable part of your commute or wind down after work. Shower in the morning. Morning shower. Workout in the afternoon. Mm. No. Sure. Working out is good. Working lift, out is good. Lift. Lock your knees. <laughs> lower back. More lower back. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Harrison was fired from Planet Fitness an hour after going in right. there as I a member. Kept punching the lunk alarm. I kept making it go off. So, um, For those of you that want to follow up, the show notes available at podcast.untap.com. Um, if you have any questions or feedback, connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, we're drinking socially at Instagram. We're untapped podcast at Twitter or Facebook.com slash drinking socially. Or you're likely on a cell phone. Click one of the links. Send us a message. Let us know what's good. Let us know what you want more or less of, if that's a thing. And have a great day. Yeah. Rock and roll. Light some fireworks. Drink some beers. And we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>